All right, happy Easter, everybody. It is a great privilege to be with you. I wish you were here. wish we were together. Easter is one of my favorite weekends of the year uh, to be together as a church family. And there's always new people to meet on Easter. And so if you are new with us at Parkview joining our service, you are certainly welcome here. And we would love to hear from you, connect with you, talk to you. So let us know any way that we can help you out. So there's something that Christians do. Like, it's so cool to remember that this weekend we're celebrating Easter with Christians all over the world. And there's something, I've been in different cultures during the Easter season, and there's something that seems to transcend culture. It's this deal that uh, a pastor person like me is up front on this weekend and says, he is risen. And then everybody else yells, he is risen indeed. And usually if you've been here on an Easter the last few years, we've been doing that. You got to yell super loud this year if I'm going to hear you, okay, from here. So you got to go. And I got a few people in the room. You got to hang with me and do this, all right? So I'm going to say he is risen. And then your job is to say he is risen indeed. Even in your living room, you know, cover your dog's ears, whatever you need to do. Just yell it out, okay? So here we go. One, two, three. He is risen. He is risen indeed. All right. These guys did pretty good. Let's try that one more time, okay? He is risen. That is so awesome. Thank you. I'm trusting you did that at home too, but it is great to be with you this weekend. And literally, it's been cool to track through our streaming over the last few weeks, like where our services are going. And literally, around the world, England, Sierra Leone, Czech Republic, Brazil, South Korea, Ireland, Colombia, so far, like we can track where this is going, which is kind of cool. Uh, we've also seen that like 38% of you are watching this in your jammies. Uh, 20% of you have dark, no, we can't tell that kind of stuff, but we can tell like where it's coming from. So anyway, but it is, it is really cool. Uh, we hate not being together, but it's cool to still get the message of, of Jesus out, particularly in a time like this. And particularly for us to celebrate Easter in the midst of a pandemic uh, is just essential for us because the epitome of Easter is that this is a hope that we have, that God has given us uh, through a resurrected Jesus Christ. And so a friend of mine said earlier uh, to me that Jesus does his greatest work in the darkest times. And I'm seeing that, and we're seeing that through our church, that people are opening up to God and to Jesus in fresh ways. And so it's a great privilege uh, to get to talk to you for the next few minutes uh, from the Bible about the story of the resurrection of Jesus. So before I do this, so I would love to give you a moment to pray uh, there in your home or wherever you're watching this. And I'll, I'll say a prayer for us just that we will remove all distractions and then we'll let God talk to us and give us his message of hope uh, in, this, in this time. So let me just pray for us. Uh, Father, what a great privilege it is to gather, even though we're doing it through technology, we would rather be together. But I thank you that we can still do this, that we can still rally in our homes and rally around your word, particularly this weekend, rally around the empty tomb that Jesus is alive. And that gives us hope in any moment. Like my friend said, Jesus, you do your greatest work in the darkest times. So I pray these next few minutes as we read your word, Father, as we listen to the story of the resurrection, that Jesus, you would speak directly to us, to each one of us. And then I pray for conversations after this is over. God, that families, that friends, uh, that even those who are alone right now would call someone, but that we would interact with the word that we have heard together today. So speak to us. In your great name we pray. Amen. All right, so 
um, there are four stories in the Bible about the resurrection of Jesus. There are four eyewitness accounts of the resurrection of Jesus. They're called the Gospels. And so if you have your Bible ready, if you could turn to the Gospel of John. Okay, in the New Testament, there's four. Matthew, Mark, Luke. And so we're going to read from the Gospel of John. It was written by a guy named John. And he probably was Jesus' closest friend on the planet. When Jesus was on this earth, um, even as John is writing his letter, he's one of those guys that refers to himself in the third person. Like, he refers to himself as the disciple that Jesus loved. Like, he couldn't just say, you know what, Jesus and I were probably closer than the rest of them. But they were. Like, one evidence of this is when Jesus was hanging on the cross, that as far as we know, the only disciple who was there was John. Like, that's how loyal and how close a friend that John was to Jesus. And in fact, as Jesus is dying on the cross and Jesus' mom is there, he, he, he made a gesture that was culturally relevant that he asked John to be the one to now care for his mom uh, since Jesus was dying. So you see how close Jesus and John were. And so as Jesus' uh, story is being written by John, you can imagine that writing John chapters 18 and 19 had to be just brutally hard for John to write about his best friend being on trial, being accused of something he had never done, being persecuted, whipped, beaten, mocked, and then hung on a cross where he suffered and he died. Like I just had to be brutal to write chapters 18 and 19. But I'll, I'll bet you when John got to chapter 20 and he started writing that, Man, his face was just beaming. He was just probably tingling all over, whatever. He's just super excited to get to chapter 20 because that's where the story of the resurrection starts, okay? And so as we're reading this, remember it's like reading uh, uh, from a man who has a front row seat of what it was like to be there in the morning that Jesus rose again from the dead. And as John is writing this to us, I think he's going to answer three questions that we might have about the resurrection. Those questions are, is it true? Does it matter? And now what? Okay? Is it true? Does it matter? And now what? All right? So look at verse 1. You got your Bibles there. You'll see that it starts with this woman named Mary. And if you read back in like Luke chapter 8 and a couple other places in the New Testament, you would see that Mary had an incredibly difficult past very strained, very hard past, and yet she met Jesus and he changed her life. So now this is the first Easter morning. As far as Mary knows, Jesus is still dead. You can imagine her in her grief and her confusion. I imagine she didn't sleep much those last couple nights. And now it's early that first Easter morning, and in her confusion and her despair, she finds herself going to the tomb. I don't know what she was thinking she was going to do there, she just kind of had to do something. She had to be close to where Jesus was buried. But as she got close to the tomb, the, the, the story tells us, is that she saw that the rock that was covering the tomb had been rolled away. That, that stone was a pretty big deal, weighed about a ton or two. And so that had been rolled away. And her immediate assumption, this is going to sound a little morbid, but her immediate assumption was that somebody stole the body. You're going like, what? Like, why, why would somebody do that? And times were so hard then, there was so much poverty then, that literally people were going into tombs and stealing bodies because in Jesus' day, the bodies would be wrapped in linen, which was worth some money, and often there'd be some expensive perfumes and spices in there. 
And so it had become so common that they actually had to make a law against it, like stop stealing bodies or we'll kill you. It's capital offense. So there would be kind of a cycle there. You steal a body and you get, you get killed for that and you get put in there and somebody steals your, anyway, don't worry about that. But like, you know, that's what she thought. Okay, somebody stole his body. So she ran quick and she went and got a guy named Peter that was Pray Jesus' lead disciple, okay? Peter and John, the guy that wrote the Gospel of John, were tight. Uh, but she went to tell Peter that somebody had stole his body. And so, so Peter and John were together. And so they take off running to the tomb to see what's going on. And so it's kind of funny. You read through there. You can kind of tell Peter and John are probably like brothers, kind of like competed a lot. Because John kind of slides it in there that he got there first. Like, I'm faster than Peter, you know? So kind of slipped that in there. And so let me just pick it up in verse, verse 5. And it says, in stooping to look in, he, now he's referring to himself in the third person again. Sorry about that. So that's John. John looked and he saw the linen cloths lying there. So he got to the tomb first, looked in, and he saw the linen cloths that Jesus was buried in. Uh, But he didn't go in. Verse 6 says, then Simon Peter came, following him. Again, Peter was behind me, John's telling us. So following him, he went into the tomb. Peter was a little more bold, went on in. And look what it says about Peter. He saw the linen cloths lying there and the face cloth, which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded up in a place by itself. And then the other disciple, again, that's John, sorry, the third person again, who had reached the tomb first, again, putting it in there faster than Peter, also went in and he saw, like the linens and the head cloth, he saw and he believed. So, They went there assuming somebody stole the body, but they get there and they see some other evidence. In fact, it's really interesting. The word for saw, that when it talks about Peter's saw, is the Greek word from which we get the word theorized, theory. Like he saw, it was kind of like more of a contemplation, like, huh, what's going on here? Like, I don't know that somebody stole the body because if they stole the body, they would have taken the linens and the perfumes and all that. Like, okay, so if that's still here, What's that mean? Like, and certainly like somebody who loved Jesus wouldn't have just like taken the body and, you know, desecrated it like that. There's no way. And as they're sitting there processing, you know, it comes together. He's alive. Like that's the only explanation for the linens and everything being here. And so it says that when John saw it, he believed. He saw and he believed. It goes on and says, you know what? They should have believed that because the scriptures had predicted it in the Old Testament. And in fact, there were times where Jesus told them he was going to die and then rise again from the dead. Like if they had really tuned, in, tuned into what Jesus said, they should have been there. Like it would have been like Times Square, New Year's Eve, ball drop. Hey, three days, countdown. Jesus is going to come out, big party. He resurrects, everybody hogs him, high fives him, right? So, uh, but no, they just had no clue. And when they got there and saw the evidence, then they believed. And so what's so cool about that truth, when you ask, is it true? Like when the Bible explains things like the resurrection, um, there's, there's a tone to it that says, you should check it out. Like there's evidence here. Like Jesus could have resurrected by just like vaporizing the linen cloths and just slipping out of the out of the tomb and leaving the rock there. But like the way Jesus resurrected, let's, let's slide that tomb open. Let's leave some claws here. Let's put a little mystery into this and let's see if they can figure this out. Like there's, there's some evidence there. Let me read you probably one of the clearest places in the New Testament that talks about the resurrection of Jesus. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And the apostle Paul wrote this. It, it's kind of like, 
They think this was like a, a song or a poem that the early church used to say a lot about the gospel and about the resurrection of Jesus. And it says this, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, that he appeared to Cephas, that's Peter, and then to the twelve, and then he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. So do you get the tone there? Paul's saying like, hey, this is all true. Jesus rose again from the dead. If you don't believe me, there were 500 people that saw him. Now, some of them are dead. That's what fall asleep means. Uh, but there's a ton of them still alive. If you don't believe me, go ask them. Check it out. Like that's the tone of the scripture. And so there are many evidences for the resurrection of Jesus. And I would say, like, if you're new to this Christian thing, Jesus stuff, and you want to really know, is it true? I could save you a ton of time. Like, don't, you know, you could say, well, is the Bible really God's word? Uh, Is creation really true? Like, I think I believe in evolution. You know what? Just go right to the resurrection of Jesus. Because the Bible says, if Jesus hasn't risen from the dead, then anybody believes in this is a fool. All right? The Bible's just flat out honest. And so I can tell you from my personal experience, I was raised in a family that taught me about Jesus. I believed in him. And then I came to the University of Iowa in my freshman year. I didn't know any other Christians when I first got here. And my very first week on campus, I met a philosophy PhD student. Then we started talking about faith and he just throttled me. Like I had no answers for him. And that first month here, I really asked myself, have I wasted 18 years of my life believing something I just kind of thought was true. And as I began to explore Christianity, is it true? It was really the evidence of the resurrection of Jesus that really got me grounded in, yes, this is true, and I can base my life on this. So please, like in our resource section, we've got some great things that you can read and begin your investigation. Or I would love to talk to you or any of our leaders here. So just let us know. But, but the first point here about the resurrection is, is it true And John would give us a resounding, yes, Jesus is alive. And there's evidence to prove it, all right? So is it true? The next question is, does it matter, all right? So as the passage goes on, Peter and John go back to their homes, but Mary comes back to the garden. And the way I read that, it was like they crossed paths, like they didn't run into each other. Mary just comes back. And I think Mary is still confused. I think Mary is still grieving, and it's really cool that there's an interaction that happens here. So, so um, Mary's there, and she sees Jesus, but she doesn't see him. She thinks he's a gardener. And so she even says to the gardener, okay, where'd you put his body? Like, come on, what are you doing? And then verse 16, if you look at your text, uh, Jesus said to her, Mary. And she turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. How beautiful. She didn't really recognize him. She's in her days, confused, not expecting to see Jesus, but she recognizes his voice. She calls, he calls her by name. What what I see there is just a really beautiful picture of the heart of God, okay? And, And this is why it matters. Because in her darkness, in her confusion, in her grief, Jesus went to her, all right? She was kind of looking for him, but he went to her. And that's, that's why the resurrection matters is because Jesus is alive today. He can do the same thing for us. And you might be thinking like, well, there's, there's, there's no way he would come to me because, you know, 
It's a good thing this is live streamed because I would never go to a church or I've had people tell me before, man, if I ever go to your church, I'm just gonna turn to a pile of ashes as soon as I get into your foyer because you know, God doesn't want me there. And so whatever your story might be, uh, again, Mary had a pretty jacked up past and hard story and it was not a public relations win, you know, for Jesus to go to her first. Like, what if Jesus went to Pilate first? That was the Roman authority that sentenced him to be crucified. Like, told ya, you know, like, could have shown up there. Or to Herod was one of the Jewish religious leaders that set up the mock trial for him. Like, could have shown up there, you know. Or in the temple courts, could have shown up there. But, but he went to Mary first. You just see the heart of God. The Bible says, if you seek me, this is God speaking, if you seek me, you'll find me. If you seek with all your heart. What a beautiful picture of the grace and mercy of Jesus. That here's a woman, confused and grieving, looking for him, and he goes to her, all right? So, so we got to admit, and maybe different ones of us in different ways at different times, but the pandemic is rocking our world, Okay. People are doing some crazy things like buying a ton of toilet paper. Uh, we were on a trip, maybe some of you guys were on a trip where things kept getting closed and we ended up coming back. We were in Texas. I don't know where we were exactly, somewhere in northern Arkansas, southern Missouri, kind of scary territory to be honest with you. So we're coming through there and we realize, you know, we're hearing about toilet paper shortages and everything. Like, I don't know what we've got at home. So in Pocahontas, I think it's Missouri, like we saw a Walmart. All five of us kind of fan out all around the store, and they actually had stuff. So we loaded our van up pretty good, all right? So people are doing that. I also hear that in Walmart, they're selling way more shirts than pants. Like, just in the last four weeks, like, way out of proportion, tons more shirts and pants. And they think it's because everybody's doing all these Zoom meetings where people just see you, like, from here up. And so everybody's buying new tops, but who knows what's going on down below, right? So, so that's what's going on. But here's something else. It's been selling like crazy the last four weeks. It's Bibles. It's Bibles. Like in times like this, where we get rocked, where things that we trust in, like savings accounts, uh, retirement accounts, our jobs, our health, our friends' health. I mean, we have friends that are in the healthcare. Man, it's so grateful for you if you're on the front lines, healthcare. Uh, man, we get rocked. We start looking for something to grab onto. People start looking at religion. I'm glad you're, if you bought a Bible and you're starting to read it, that's an awesome place to go. But, but can, I just, can I just let you know uh, that who you're really looking for to cling to right now is you're looking for Jesus, all right? And so just like in Mary's time of confusion and bewilderment and grief, like he went to her. And so, and so Jesus is, is ready, like he's pursuing you. And um, the whole gospel message, the whole deal of Easter and the resurrection is that we are a broken people. Like we have sinned against God. We've rebelled against God. We've ignored him. We've done our thing instead of his thing. And that has ravaged our own lives. That hurts our relationships. And the Bible says it cuts us off from God, like who, who loves us and we're supposed to be secure in him, but we're cut off from God. Man, we're grabbing to other stuff and a pandemic comes and we're reminded our other stuff isn't working. Now what do I do? And this is where Jesus steps in to our confusion. Like Jesus came to this earth, the ultimate first responder. He stepped into our uh, sin, into our mess, into our brokenness, and he went to the cross. Jesus lived the life we should have lived. He never sinned, uh, but he went to the cross, and he died the death that we should have died. And so then when he rose again from the dead, that proves that he has power over sin and death, and he's making you the most 
amazing offer you'll ever have in your life. He's offering to take your sin. You give him your sin. He forgives you of that. And he gives you his life. Like that's why Easter is such a big deal. That's why the resurrection is such a big deal. It proves that what Jesus did is legit. Like your sins can be forgiven. You can be restored to God. And you can have life with God. Okay. One of the most famous verses in the Bible is from this same book. Book of John. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, Jesus, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. Guys, wouldn't it be super cool memory for you that it was Easter 2020 in the middle of a pandemic where you were kind of confused and all this like Mary was, that you realize that Jesus has come looking for you and that he's offering you this amazing gift. And that today is the day that you are sure, be sure that you have a relationship with God through Jesus. Because that's the most important thing that I'm going to talk to you about this morning. So if you are not sure, that's something else for you to please uh, talk to a friend that does know Jesus or reach out to us. And in any way, we'd love to talk to you, email with you, send you resources. All right. So uh, you heard Sarah's story earlier about what Jesus has done for her. He wants to do the same and change your life as well. All right. So is it true? Does it matter? And the last question is what now? Okay. Jesus is alive. What now? Go to verse 19. It says, On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews. Those were the religious leaders that had just kind of condemned Jesus. And now they're afraid. Okay, they got Jesus. Now they're going to come for us. So these are the disciples. It's Easter night, right? And they're locked in this room. And they're afraid uh, of these leaders to come get them. And Jesus came and he stood among them. And he said, peace be with you. And when he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. It's really me. I'm not a ghost. This isn't a dream. Like, it's really me. I'm here. And he said again, peace be with you. And when he said this, he showed him his hands and his side. And his disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. And he said to them again, peace be with you. I'm sorry I read that twice, all right? So, but twice he did say to them, peace be with you. And so Jesus' resurrection uh, what, what now? Like, what does it mean to us? Same thing it meant to these guys in that very first Easter night. It means to us as well. Number one, peace be with you. Uh, it sounds similar. Like, they're in a locked room, maybe, maybe a little too close there if they were in COVID times, right? But at least they're locked in a room. Uh, and, and many of us have been kind of refined or confined to homes and not out and about as much as we are. And maybe there's some fear in our lives. Jesus says very clearly, peace be with you. Now, I don't belittle that because some of you do have people you're really concerned about. Some of you are wondering about your own health. Uh, some of you may even be in a nursing home right now watching this. And, and uh, wherever you are in the midst of this pandemic, Jesus can come into, because of the resurrection, step into your fear and give you peace. The Bible over and over again, guys, 366 times says, fear not. And so the resurrection of Jesus means Jesus is with you. And he's saying, do not fear because I am with you. All right. The one who took your sin, the one who rose again from the dead is with you. The Bible says, if God is for us, who can be against us? This is a time for us to learn to trust and not to fear. That's the reality of the resurrection. Jesus says, the Bible says, cast your cares on me because I care for you. All right. So you're afraid, you're worried. Resurrection of Jesus, like what now? It's like, let's trust in him. We do not have to be afraid, all right? 
Then he says something else, not just, hey, just don't be afraid. He says this, as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. Now he's giving us something to live for. Like resurrected Jesus means if we know him and we're experiencing his peace, he's saying now, like, I got something for you to do. And it's pretty amazing. Like the same reason God the Father sent me to this planet, like to serve others, to bring life where there's hurt and pain, and to lay down your life to help other people, that same reason that I came, now you can go and do the same. Like go. That's the way you truly find life. And guys, this, this time uh, during a pandemic is, is an amazing time for us in fresh ways to reach out and help the people around us in need. So when this pandemic thing started, we, we kind of used this phrase around here. We were saying five years from now, when you look back at the pandemic, um, what will you see? Like, how did you live? Did you live in fear or did you, you know, were you courageous? Were you at peace and were you helping others? And, and so here we are about four weeks in and maybe you look in and you say, okay, five years from now, I'll probably still be using the same toilet paper I got now because, man, we are stockpiled pretty good. And tons of SpaghettiOs, too. Like, we're probably still be eating those, like, in five years. But, no, I hope beyond that, we look back and say, no, no, no. I, I was at such peace, even though it was, it was a fearful time, and God used me, and I, I helped people. And, uh, and the people around me, my kids, my neighbors, like, they saw me at peace, not freaking out. And so we're four weeks in. Some of you guys might be thinking, Dang it, like I was going to do so good, and I haven't. Like I just, I haven't. And what's cool here is you got to realize, these people Jesus just said, as Father send me, I'm sending you, like they have dropped the ball big time. That just a couple days before, Jesus, we're with you to the end. Jesus gets arrested, they'll ditch, all right? So I think one of the reasons they might have been afraid to see Jesus is because last time they were around Jesus, they dropped the ball, right? So maybe you're thinking you've dropped the ball so far in this pandemic. You know what? Jesus says, you know what? You're still on the team. I still need you. I still love you. You're still, let's go. Like, let's, let's go. It's, let's, the gospel is about second chances. Let's go do this again. You go and, and you serve me, all right? So one of our links we give you, uh, if you go to Parkview Connect, is there's these cards that Christians have been using all around the country. And some of you are already doing this without the card, right? But you, you, you pass these cards around if you want to, like to neighbors around you. And it's a chance for you to offer to help them, to bring them food if they need it, to pray for them. But it just gives your contact information and you go drop it in mailboxes or people's front steps around you, just offering to help. And, and that's been opening a lot of opportunities for people to help and to serve. But Jesus said, you know, in his resurrection, I want you to have peace. I want you to have a purpose now. You got a whole new reason to live. And now I want to give you a power. That's in verse 22. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and he said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. Now it might be a new concept to you, but the moment you begin to follow Jesus, you believe in Jesus, he promises you to send you his spirit, the Holy Spirit, to come and live within you. And the Holy Spirit gives us power uh, to not be afraid, but to, to be uh, bold, to be courageous, uh, to be sacrificial. The Holy Spirit helps us do what Jesus has just invited us to do. In fact, there's a verse that says the same Spirit, it's the Holy Spirit, the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead now lives in you. Like the, that's, that's a powerful spirit that Jesus is giving us. So it's not just up to us, it's his power in us, helping us do what he's sending us out to do. So uh, 
you know, Jesus rising from the dead lives in you. So now there's a peace, there's a power, and there's a purpose. And so when John wraps up kind of this whole amazing chapter, he just wants us to be sure. I want you to get this. This is why I wrote this whole gospel. In verse 31, he says, These things I have written to you that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ and that you can have life in his name. Like that's, that's it. I'm, John is saying, I want you to know my best friend. He also happens to be the savior of the world. And I've told you all this about him so you may believe who he is and what he wants to do. So I have to ask you again, do you have life in Jesus' name? Be sure, right? Be sure. Take him up on his offer to forgive your sins and give you new life. So the resurrection, it's true. It matters. And now, what do we do now? We can live in peace. We have a purpose. And we have a power to pull it off, right? So, so let me just wrap this up. When you hear God's word taught, it's not meant to just be listened to and go, oh, that's pretty cool. Like, no, when God teaches us something, he intends for us to do it. It's like when you do what he says, that's when the power of God's word like really comes to life. So if you've never really read the Bible before and you want to really see if it works, you put it into action, okay? So let me just give you four take-home things real quick. Be sure, you've heard me say that a lot, but be sure that you know who Jesus is, right? Have you received the gospel? Check it out. Like if you have questions still, don't just let them linger. Like dig into them. God wants you to find them. Like seek them. Look, check it out, right? Here's the next one. He gives you peace. He gives you peace. So what would you say is your greatest need right now? Like what's giving you the greatest fear? Jesus would say, give that to me. Like stop worrying. Stop living in fear. Give it to me. Tell me about it. Pray to him. Okay, so he gives us peace. And then we are sent as Jesus was sent. So who can you serve? Like even today, this weekend, this week coming up, who can you serve? Because you have been sent for the same reason uh, that Jesus was sent. All right, let me pray for you. Uh, Jesus, thank you for what you have done for us. Thank you that the tomb is empty, that you are alive, and that it is true. And that it does matter because you can meet every single one of us in our greatest moment of need and confusion. And that you now give us a peace, a purpose, and a power. We say, what now? You say, live in my peace, live for my purpose, and let me give you some power. God, help us be a people that just don't hear this, but act on it. And do a great work in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.